Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly and what a bank holiday weekend of women's football. Manchester City breezed past West Ham in Saturday's FA Cup semi-final live on TalkSport 2. Hemp here with a burst of pace into the area and that is a quite stunning goal to potentially send Manchester City through to the FA Cup final. Chelsea continued their dominance over Arsenal in a commanding win in Sunday's semi-final, which was live on TalkSport. Chelsea coming forward now with Kerr into the penalty area, smuggled away by Woman Moy, comes out to G, edge of the box, right-footed shot! Oh, what a finish! What a goal from Soya G! And Northern Ireland's players stand by manager Kenny Shields after he says women are more emotional than men in his post-match press conference. Right through the whole lot whole spectrum of the women's game because girls and women are more emotional than men so they take a goal gun in they they don't take that very well we'll be discussing all the fallout from shields's comments and looking ahead to the return of the barclays fawsl this is women's football weekly national radio's only dedicated women's football show women's football weekly with fake Carruthers. hi i'm leah williamson from arsenal women and you can follow the wsl on talksport too Hello, hello. Well, I should really say happy Tuesday to you all. Uh, Bearing in mind we're a day late for Women's Football Weekly uh, this week. Even if you're listening to the podcast in the morning, happy Tuesday to you. Uh, We have the wonderful Laura Bassett, former Arsenal, Birmingham and England defender with us today. How are you doing, Laura? I'm well, thanks, Faye. How are you? Very good, thank you. I feel like we're just doing the niceties when actually I only saw you less than 24 hours ago (laughs) (laughs) at Meadow Park. And it's like, I've not seen you in ages. And let's not lie. Let's not lie to our friends here. We saw each other yesterday. Um, and we were at Meadow Park, as I say, for Chelsea's 2-0 win over Arsenal. We had a good old chat. I showed you a video of my son eating broccoli. We talked babies. We talked football. But tell everybody else how you are. <laughs> he wasn't quite eating broccoli, though. Not much went in, Faye. <laughs> no, he spat it out and then hit the spoon away and looked at me in disgust. You are right. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that, that continues. So, But no, I'm really well, thank you. Um, I feel really 
lucky to have covered both games at the weekend. It was fabulous. Um, in the international break, I went over to America to see my brother. My parents hadn't seen him for two and a half years and I hadn't seen him in a year. So that was really nice to have some really good family time and um, and then come back and hit the ground running for the FA Cup semi-finals on a beautiful, beautiful weather weekend, wasn't it? Sunshine was out and oh. gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Hopefully it's going to stay like this now and then that'll, that'll last until the final and then God knows what we'll have over, <laughs> over the summer in this country. Um, but we did have all the FA Cup semi-finals on the TalkSport network this weekend. West Ham, Manchester City on Saturday and Arsenal, Chelsea on Sunday. So let's have a listen back to how it sounded. On massive match days like this, there's only one place you want to be and that is TalkSport. And he's driven back in, oh, has that gone in? He's off the frame of the goal, it's in now. It's headed in by Ellen White. And Manchester City do have their lead. And a mistake here, Manchester City in for a second goal. It's put in for 2-0, and they can't quite believe their luck. Leon tries to get there ahead of Kennedy, he's down the right-hand side, and West Ham could be in. Beaten Roebuck, and West Ham have a goal back. This game is far from done yet, as it's put into the net by Lisa Evans. And from absolutely nowhere, West Ham United have a foothold again. It's West Ham 1, Manchester City 2. If ever there was a perfect time for them to score, it would be now right before half-time. Lisa Evans done works a great ball to split the defenders, but she still had a lot of work to do, taking it round the keeper and just slotted it home. Fantastic response from West Ham. Game on. Hemp here with a burst of pace into the area, and that is a quite stunning goal to potentially send Manchester City through to the FA Cup final. A piece of individual brilliance there. And that may be one goal too far for West Ham. Danway into Hemp, a chance for four, into the bottom corner. And their goal-scoring run in the FA Cup this season continues. They've scored four goals or more now in each of their four games in the competition. That's now 20 goals in just four matches in this season's competition. And they are flying into the final. As the final whistle goes from the referee, Manchester City will be in the Women's FA Cup final on May the 15th. Catley crosses, left-footed, brought down by Mead. She spins, she turns! Oh, and she fires just wide! It would have been a stunning goal in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Here come Chelsea, right driving infield from the left-hand side. 35 yards from goal, shoots left-footed and finds the corner! It's a stunning goal from Goro Wrighton to give Chelsea the lead in the semi-final. Chelsea coming forward now with Kerr into the penalty area, smuggled away by Woman Moy, comes out to G, edge of the box, right-footed shot! Oh, what a finish! What a goal from Soya G! Rifled into the top corner, off the woodwork and in! As the final whistle blows, and Chelsea have done it to Arsenal again, Emma Hayes' FA Cup holders are through to yet another Wembley final. It is Chelsea who will play Manchester City in the FA Cup final on Sunday the 15th of May. Let's kick off with uh, Sunday's game, Laura. Arsenal nil, Chelsea 2. It was such a bizarre game on many levels because in the first half, Arsenal was so dominant and you just didn't recognise the Chelsea side that, that walked out at, at the first whistle. Yeah, that's right. I think it caught everyone by surprise how well Arsenal started, how they pressed. They were more aggressive. They looked sharper. Um, I think not surprised, but just in terms of how we didn't see a reaction from Chelsea for quite a while. 
And you just thought that it was, if anyone was going to score first, it was going to be Arsenal. Um, and then, and then I, it just went into a bit of a lull um, and, and really just interesting that I was quite, disappointed I must say on the set I thought I thought a goal would be scored on set pieces just because you look at both sides and the technically proficient the physicality that both sides have and it was really quite poor we I think we saw you might get onto this but we saw some strange set pieces from corners and maybe Arsenal playing out from the back um and just putting themselves under unnecessary pressure and I just think the 10 minute spell before half time Arsenal made some strange decisions square passes um, really poor decisions, and it just and it, it just kind of gave Chelsea a lifeline. They say we've been playing poorly, but we're still in this. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the half time, I think that ten minute spell before half time really changed Chelsea's mentality um, coming out for the second half. Yeah, and that was Arsenal's doing. They they were the architects of their own downfall in in many ways because they had dominated the first thirty five minutes, had had chances, but just didn't put them away I mean Anne Katrenberger barely had a, a save to make and then you know Emma Hayes said she basically spoke to her players at, at a half time and it was very much along the lines of oh are you going to start this game of football now <laughs> I think the heat actually did play a part it was it was very warm yesterday they were taking a lot of fluids on both sets of players but it did feel as if you know it, it affected them a, a little bit and a couple of players I spoke to afterwards who I, I was chatting to outside the ice cream van they were getting the twisters post-match <laughs> um and uh and you know they all said it was it was so hot to begin with and they were a little bit like oh not 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 used to this um they're gonna have to get used to it for the summer the, the players on on international duty for, for the euros in particular uh but the second half goals came from guru Wrighton and and ji so yun and they were gorgeous goals as well both of them nothing that manuela zinsberger could do about them yeah, they were. It was really opportunistic from Gura Wrighton. She's picked up some great positions in the game, but her delivery and execution weren't on point. But that that opportunity that she took, it just Arsenal defenders just hesitated, backed away. It was a bit of miscommunication of who was going to pressure on, put pressure on the ball, and no one did. And yeah, it was a wonderful strike. We've seen how she can produce those moments of magic. Um, and then, gee, if you want the ball to fall to anyone, any player, you want it to be G, you know, having played with her. Um, and she's so composed even to take the ball to the side and hit it top corner. I think everyone in the ground just clapped because when you're live at a game and, and witness an execution like that, it was wonderful. And then I just think as soon as Chelsea got that first goal, I just thought it was only, there was only going to be one winner because I think there's a stat in WSL. If they get the first goal, they just go on, especially this in 2022. They go on, they get more. And I, I did feel, I did sense that in the game that every time then the game opened up, every time Chelsea did attack, um, it was just going to be more and more. But I must I must say, from a former defender, huge. it reminded me, the second half performance of Chelsea, it reminded me of the FA Cup final in terms of Nguyen, Bright and Carter and Berger. They're so comfortable defending deep, defending their 18-yard box, defending crosses, the first contacts, head, for whatever it, whatever body part it's with, they're so comfortable and they enjoy defending for their team. And I think that's what sets them apart from most teams in the league. 
Yeah, it did feel in the first half maybe that Millie Bright was covering quite a lot for Neve Charles and leaving a little bit of a of a gap in between there and a couple of miscommunications between Berger and and Jess Carter. But I think you know they just write off the first half and this was I think where Jonas Eideval is going to be disappointed with his side because just before that Guru Wrighton goal, Beth Mead had a fantastic chance and put it just wide of the far post. That goes in, it changes the game when you talk about those stats with Chelsea and, and when they score first. Yeah, that's it's so right. And they literally, it was seconds later, wasn't it? Went straight off the other end of the pitch and capitalised on their chance. But I, I thought Beth Mead was impressive throughout the game. I think if she's the go-to player for Arsenal, which is really interesting um, considering there's Miedemar, Blackstenius, Ford, Little, you know, there's all these top quality attacking talent. Where was Vivian Miedemar? I didn't even feel like she was on the pitch. I thought first half, I thought her work rate was good. I thought she covered a lot of ground, but it was ground that other other people could have covered to get her higher up the pitch. You know, we did see it from deep. Um, you know, we always talk about the ball that she played in the Manchester United game through to Blackstenius. Yeah, she's totally capable but those chances in the games maybe one or two chances to do that I thought we saw yes uh, on Sunday that she did do a couple of those balls but it's not going to happen again every time so get a higher up the pitch get a we saw a ferocious shot didn't we in the first half with her left foot um, and if that was on target it was probably going on with the amount of power but like you say the effective passes progressive passes really dictating attacking play we didn't see the link up with Blackstenius, I thought she was running a lot in the first half, but it was easily defendable. Then in the second half, it wasn't really effective. Yeah, I agree. Let's hear from both managers, uh, shall we? They spoke to Talk Sports Joe Shannon after the game. Uh, first, Chelsea manager Emma Hayes, who said reaching the final was a massive boost for her squad. I think it's good for our confidence. Whether it's significant, we've still got the tighter running, but the way we're playing at the moment, I think we believe in our abilities and uh, we know that we've got the tougher game, tougher schedule, but there's a lot of confidence in the group right now. Arsenal manager Jonas Eideval, though, said he'd take some positives from the game uh, despite the result. Uh, last year's final, it's, uh, it's, it's much, much worse than uh, couldn't recognise uh, us as a team. Today we showed the first 40 minutes what we can be. Then I'm disappointed on, on how we uh, develop into the game. But it's, it's all very manageable that, that we see what we need to do. And when we do that, we look very good as well. So just up to us to be consistent with it over 90 minutes and not let letting things like a like a conceded goal stress us too much and it's frustrating that it that we can't be better than that today we know what to do and that's that is at least a good starting point it's interesting Jonas still saying it's an it's a good starting point he clearly feels as if this is like the beginning but I was talking to Courtney Sweetman Kirk on on air on TalkSport yesterday at the game and we were discussing how for Arsenal it feels as if they needed this a bit more than Chelsea and yet they didn't translate that onto the pitch do do you feel the same yeah, I think so. Um, I think they did translate it to start with. It, it felt like they were playing for a purpose, bigger, something bigger than the game, something. Um, and then it, yeah, it really, it was disappointed how it petered out. And I read a stat from Tim Stillman yesterday on Twitter and he, and it really blew me away that Arsenal haven't beaten Chelsea at Meadow Park since July 2014. That's a lot. That, That's crazy. That, like, it blows my mind. Like I would never have, if you would have, 
you know, asked me to guess a year, it, well, I wouldn't have gone back so far. And so no. there's bigger things at play and that Arsenal could potentially end up for the third conses- consecutive campaign trophyless. Again, it's like they've been building now and they the transfer January transfer window was impressive. It's where's it going to come from? Where's, look, it, it, you know, they mm. could still go after the league, couldn't they? Anything could happen. But, um, and I know Jonas talks about a project, but I suppose with Arsenal's history and everything it comes with um, and fans and expectations, it should be sooner rather than a project that, that some of the other clubs are, are after and have to build towards. There's a um, th- there's a lot to do, I think, for, for Jonas in the summer, that's for sure. Um, right, before we wrap up this section, uh, we just need to talk about Fran Kirby because on Friday it was revealed she wouldn't feature for, for Chelsea or for England for the foreseeable future because she's suffering with fatigue. These are Emma Hayes' comments before Sunday's semi-final. Uh, no chance of her playing at the weekend. She's been taking some time in the background, suffering with a lot of fatigue. No definitive reason why that is. We don't know. We're trying to get to the bottom of it and take the time we can to try and find the right solutions for her. It's something that's been ongoing. And unfortunately, until we get to the bottom of it, Fran isn't available uh, for selection. Uh, Fran herself then tweeted, I'm sad that I have to write to you all another message like this. This is an ongoing issue throughout my career. It was time to put my health first. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to message. I'm doing everything to try and come back uh, once again. Uh, really tough for her after the last couple couple of years, Laura, and, and just disappointing, you know, from a fan's perspective, we don't get to see Frank Kirby. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you say, from a, a teammate of Fran's, like you say, just really sad, but... I think what Fran said in her statement, her health is paramount, it's important. I'm so pleased she's at Chelsea. She's been there a long time now, hasn't she? Emma Hayes, the staff, there's the right people, there's the resources. You know, I'm sure Fran, whatever she needs, she's getting. Um, and and these things just take time. And it, But, you know, it's really impressive that, and, you know, proud to be a part of women's football where we can have these honest conversations. You know, Fran's dealing with fatigue, Let's leave her. Yeah, we would love to see her on a pitch. She lights up the pitch. She lights up everyone's faces and lives, doesn't she? Um, but we have to respect that and we have to be patient. And when I'm sure Fran has been through this before, um, you know, when she's ready and fighting fit, she'll be she'll be back. So, I, I, but I do think it's you know a bit more transparent in women's football that these are happening. So, huge mm. credit to to Fran for for you know acknowledging it. Yeah, definitely. And we wish you all the very best, Fran, uh, for sure. Uh, take care of yourself. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. You just heard the thoughts there of former England defender Laura Bassett as well. Coming up, we're going to chat through the other FA Cup semi-final between West Ham and Manchester City. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers, former Arsenal and Birmingham City defender Laura Bassett is with me as well today. Uh, don't forget, as ever, if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can go ahead and download it today. Right, so the first uh, FA Cup semi-final on uh, Saturday finished. West Ham 1, Manchester City 4, two first-half goals for Ellen 
White and Chloe Kelly, her first goal since coming back from injury. It was so great to see her uh, properly back on the pitch and, and celebrating a goal. She's such a fantastic talent. Lisa Evans getting West Ham a lifeline just before half-time. We'll go through that goal in a minute because it was a cracking uh, team goal, that one. Lauren Hemp bagging two more in the second half. Uh, both of them impressive as well. Uh, first, before we start going into this, let's hear from the managers, shall we? Because City boss Gareth Taylor told TalkSport's James Fielden his side's second half performances have been a key to their success this season. Similar to the to the league game in that, you know, we're probably just slightly off in our final actions. Um, I mean, you you want the team to go and score on every occasion. We get into the final third, we know that's, that's difficult and the goalkeeper made good saves. Even towards the end, their goalkeeper kept the scoreline half respectable. So, um, yeah, I think it's just igniting at the top end of the pitch and second half and second half performances for us this season have been really really good and, and scored a lot of goals in the second in second halves if we could try and transfer that a little bit to the first half and make it a little bit easier for ourselves then we would do and Chloe Kelly must be a really big positive for you today which she was outstanding in that first half especially yeah she was really good I mean aside for a goal which would give her huge confidence I think that she uh, did so many good things in the game and when you've been out for that long and had 30 minutes previously you come in today knowing that you're not going to finish the game uh, you're never really sure how that's going to go and sometimes a player can be off and she'll still have levels that she needs to hit but I think she's uh, she really p- performed well today. She really did, Chloe Kelly. That was uh, the thoughts of Manchester City boss Gareth Taylor there, Laura. Um, uh, 11 months out, I think it, it was for, for Chloe Kelly with that ACL injury and it, it looked as if she'd just played like 90 minutes yesterday (laughs) well she's young that's what youth gives you I wouldn't know many many years ago (laughs) but yeah super super pleased for Chloe Kelly um you know because I think it's all the things that we don't see like some players nowadays um you know show it on their Instagram um or you know what they're going through exactly but again you don't really get the sense unless you watch someone day in day out do it you know it's the what bite sessions the rowing the off feet, the swimming, the hydro, all those things that you don't want to do as a footballer because it's the furthest away from the grass. So I'm sure she had some setbacks and all the journeys that you go through those 11 long months. So to see her get the 30 minutes before the international break and then get the start um, and the goal, like, you know, it was gifted to her, but still she's still got a lot to do the composure. It was like she'd been in that position many times before. Not, you know, I'm not too sure when her last goal was, but if she's been out for 11 months, it's a long, long time. So, and you could just sense the way the team celebrated with her. It's just fantastic moment for her, fully deserved. She's got, you know, she doesn't have to worry about that next um, now. And yeah, the team just getting around her, everyone's smiling. It was a, a really nice moment, I'm sure, for her and her family. Yeah, it really was. And West Ham gave themselves a bit of a lifeline, actually, just before half ter- half time, didn't they, with uh, Lisa Evans. Uh, this was a, a great team goal. It was. And I think West Ham, um, in the, the game before the international break, they caused Man City some problems. It was just that final execution or that little composure at the, the last action. Um, but And it had been coming. Um, and you could see they were really aggressive on the press pressure I thought they were more aggressive in midfield and and kind of really competing well um and with Brynja's Dottie she's such a physical target that anything off her you can feed off her there's a lot of runs that are made off her I thought West Ham could have done that more maybe um because I don't think defensively Alana Kennedy and Alex Greenwood were that secure or, or as secure I've seen them in the past um, so, so they had been knocking on the door and really threatening and the combination play on the transition for West Ham for that goal 
the ball into space and Lisa Evans' time and run. And, and again, she still had a lot to do. Um, I think Lucy Bonds was, would have been disappointed because I think she ended up doing the splits trying to yeah. block it. She was so she did. Uh, so close, like reading the situation. It was a Michael Jackson <laughs> style split. <laughs> um, but yeah, all credit. I th- West Ham, I think, deserved that. They, they deserved that goal um, to get them back. It, it was just the, the defensive errors, I thought, throughout the game. Um, either a mistimed pass or a, a playing a, a really, for the first two goals, square balls. I think you learn as a footballer, square square balls, sorry. Um, they're so easy to be cut out and reg. It's a trigger point for the opposition to go and really press the ball. And if you win it, you're in transition, you're out of, you're out of shape and they can really go and hurt you and attack you centrally. Jilly Flaherty, uh, absolutely devastated for you know gifting. Let's you know she she knows it, it was it was it was a poor defensive pass out. She she just got caught on the ball um, and panicked, laying flat on the floor afterwards. I really felt for her because she knew exactly. She didn't even need to lift her head up. She knew exactly what she'd what she'd done. But what's happened since then, Flo? Um, yeah. Is social media at its absolute worst? And unfortunately, I, I do question whether actually any of these people who are jumping on this are actually women's football fans, to be honest, or they're just people who see someone make an error and then go and apologise for it on social media and then they decide to slam them anyway because she's had to take to social media to say she's turned the comments off on on her post, which was apologising for, for the error that, that she made. And I, I just get so frustrated with things like this because, A, why should she have to apologise? She's a professional footballer and people make mistakes. Um, she, more than anything, is going to be kicking herself about this. But then social media just seems to make these situations worse. Yeah, I think we've seen this entire season as well, actually, across the men's and women's games, this happening where um, players are are taking social media to apologise for things. And I think, although obviously, every, you know, people are genuine in in wanting to apologise to fans and and trying to say that, you know, it, it won't happen again, etc. I mean, the reality, like you said, Faye, of, of football is that you will make mistakes. And um, unfortunately, people will also see the opportunity to abuse players, um, you know, to leave awful messages on their Instagram. And I agree with you. I don't think many of the people who are commenting are probably women's football fans. They may be West Ham fans who saw the goal on on social media or whatever, but they're, they're, de- they're certainly not, you know, consistent women's football fans. And I think for a lot of people, it's just any opportunity on social media, regardless if they're a football fan or not, to see someone who is vulnerable and take advantage of that. And, you know, this is a moment in which Julie herself was very vulnerable and was being honest and vulnerable to her fans and supporters. And in a way, it's almost like that's been taken advantage of. I think that's so awful as well for someone who, in the past has been, he's always, you know, Jilly's always been a very open and honest character with how she is, you know, her experiences and difficulties of mental health in the past. So it's really upsetting to see, you know, people then take advantage of that and, and, and force her to come out and, and have to turn the comments off on, on her Instagram. I just think it's ridiculous, really. Yeah, I agree with you. Laura, you've been in a, in a situation where you felt you've let, your teammates down and it's the it's the worst position possible to, to be in and there's not anything you can do to, to change it and all, all you have to do you, you have understanding people around you but then when people jump on and you know did you have any kind of of pile on when that happened to you in 2015? 
I think I did. Um, but certainly the the good messages and positive and support messages outweighed those. But, you know, it, I think, I don't know, it's maybe human nature or the mind playing tricks and you focus on the small minority rather yeah. than you do. You just focus on and, and you replay those over in your mind. And, um, you know, I t- totally agree with everything Flo said there, but also they couldn't have watched the game because if they did watch the game, you would see Julie Flatterty still heading, still making last-ditch tackles, still communicating to her team. So, you know, actually, you were, I was certainly proud of having been in a position, made a mistake that's cost, you know, had bigger implications and cost or something. And, you know, not only that action, not that goal didn't cost the game, but it was a part of, wasn't it? Um you would have been super proud of her performance because, you know, she didn't feel sorry for herself. She, she was ultra professional. So it just, they're not from women's football fans and they didn't watch the whole game in its entirety. It just, yeah, it's really frustrating. Yeah, well, we send lots of love to, to Jilly because, you know, she's she's a, a friend of Women's Football Weekly and, and as Flo says, always so open and honest and more than anybody will be absolutely devastated with, with having having done that because, of course, then um, obviously West Ham pulled the goal back but Manchester City then with two goals from Lauren Hemp, who is just... Qual- I mean, she's just having the season of her life, isn't she? She's just wonderful. We wax lyrical about her on this show all the time but she's just fantastic, Laura. I know she's yeah she's like Benjamin Button will she ever grow up can we just box her like however she is can we just like keep her form her goals like can we just keep it forever <laughs> maybe not for Man City but certainly for the Lionesses no yeah she did and I, I actually I actually think uh Svitkova did a um and Parker whoever um when she switched sides but Parker did a really good job on her in the first half I thought she was quieter for for a Lauren Hemp performance but you know her two goals in the second half that the position that she finds just on that left side in the just inside the 18 yard box you know where she's going to shoot and again with the power accuracy precision the keepers it's you know they have to make their starting position I just think she's she just must practice that over and over again because you know she's got it off to, off to a tee and all credit to her. But yeah, it was, um, and I think for the second half, especially, um, I don't know what you think, Flo, but I think for Man City, it was, you know, they showed their powerhouse in terms of the su- substitutions they made on for Hayley Rasso, Georgia Stanway, who I thought w- was disappointing not to start. I think she's been in great form and, and Bunny Shaw, um, as the, as the opposition, you certainly want, want them three international, world-class internationals coming on ready to, you know, take take the intensity to another level. Yeah, I mean, City's depth is ridiculous. Um, Ollie Harder touched on his post-match. We're going to hear from him in a second, but he mentioned his post-match, you know, it's it's hard to compete when you've got a squad like that you're up against. Um, and I actually think Man City are in a similar place, I think, to Manchester United men's side at the moment, where I still feel like they're lacking a concrete idea and identity and style of play, but they have so much individual quality that they are going to be far superior to so many teams in the rest of the WSL because they have so, so much ridiculous individual talent. And I think, like you said, a, a player that like Barney Shaw, who's barely starting at all this season, who is one of the, the most exciting and sort of devastating forwards in women's football, uh, I think that just shows how how big and, and incredibly talented their squad their squad is. But I'm I'm interested to see what Man City do next season because they have managed to rescue this season a little bit. 
looking like they could be able to get third place as well, might come away with two domestic cups, which would be a, a massive success. But at the same time, long term, how far away are they still from being able to compete with Chelsea and and uh, Arsenal for a title? I'm still not sure because I still feel like they don't package together all of that talent in the right way. They're going to want to try and, you know, improve their performances in the Champions League as well. But as you say, Flo, you know, domestically first, they need to get in touch with with Chelsea and Arsenal. So let's hear from West Ham boss Oli Harder, shall we? He said his side were lacking some things that Manchester City have. Consistency and quality. That's as simple as that. Consistency and quality. Those things, uh, you pay for those things. We know that. There's no secrets. Um, not to say that we haven't got consistency and quality, but they have it in bundles and they're more consistent and they're more quality. Uh, they have more quality in certain moments. We saw that again today. Um, and good on them. I mean, this is the benchmark. This is where all clubs need to be looking to go to. So um, they deserve to be in the top three, the top three stranglehold. Have it until we get ourselves to a good enough level and we being the rest of the league, not West Ham specific. Um, yeah. West Ham's Oli Harder there. So it means Manchester City will take on Chelsea in the final at Wembley on Sunday the 15th of May. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with Faker Others and former Birmingham defender Laura Bassett. Next, we're going to be talking about those comments from Northern Ireland manager Kenny Shields. Ready to pop the question? The jewellers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and Laura Bassett with you. Uh, don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen to us again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can just go and download it today. Uh, right, listen, uh, I feel as if we're a little bit late to the party here because this happened last week. However, it feels like it's a party for one for Northern Ireland boss, Kenny Shields after his comments because after that 5-0 defeat to England in front of a record crowd at Windsor Park in Belfast uh, the Northern Ireland head coach 
said in his post-match press conference that women are more emotional than men when referencing the quick succession of the goals that Northern Ireland conceded. If you've not heard it yet, this is what he said. In the women's game, you'll have noticed, I'm sure you will, if you go through the patterns, when a team concedes a goal, they concede a second one within a very short period of time. Right through the whole lot, the whole spectrum of the women's game, because girls and women are more emotional than men, so they take a goal gun in, they, they don't take that very well. So if you watch, you go through the stats, which journalists love to do, going through stats, and you'll see teams conceding goals in 18 and 21 minutes, and then in 64 and 68 minutes. They group them, because that's an emotional goal. So we conceded in 48, we should be three and uh, seven minutes, was it, three and nine on, on Friday. And we were conscious of that. When we went 1-0 down, we killed the game. Tried to just slow it right down because to give them time to get that emotional imbalance out of their head. And, and that's, a, that's an issue we have, not just Northern Ireland, but all the countries of that problem. I shouldn't have told you that. No, and I should maybe have told you, Kenny, uh, before the game. Yes, you are correct. Um, journalists do love a stat. And in a second, we'll be talking to Catherine Batty, women's football correspondent for the Daily Mail, who's actually done a piece looking at Shields' claims and looking at stats, which show that actually he is completely and utterly wrong. But we probably could have probably said that um, last week as well. Laura, your thoughts first and foremost on these comments. He's, he's caused a bit of a furore, hasn't he? If your manager had come out um, when you were playing and made comments like that, what would your reaction have been? Well, firstly, I've got to say, the bit at the end where he said, I probably shouldn't have told you that, it was like he was announcing some groundbreaking research. And if you are going to put a, the- a theory like that forward... You actually need to explain your research, who you've done your research with. Like, I, do, I feel like you need to. It was as though he was groundbreaking some message that no one else had ever heard of, and and no one else agrees because no one else does agree. It was so strange. I was in America when the, the Lionesses were playing and all this, and then because of the time difference, it I seen it was all going crazy. I was like, what has happened? What has? And obviously, looking into it, it's just. I just, he must have had, the thing that sticks me, he must have had this conversation with someone else or staff, players. And, and I can't believe no one's checking and challenging his opinions and his his thoughts. Like, how, how can you think that? Like, the reason we all love football, go to watch, we play it, is for the emotion. And that's why we love it, the passion. If you take that out, what is football? No, we love it. And with that becomes the good moments and bad moments. But to compare men and women, it's... I just or the difference. I don't. Obviously, no one agrees, do they? He hasn't read the room. I don't know. It does seem now going forward that he needs people around him to check and challenge and his his thoughts and opinions because does does he does he need people around him to not, check his? It's, it's, it's not no. Problem. But it's, does he need people around him to do that, or does he need to step down? Well, well, I, I mean, well, it's a, it's really interesting, isn't it? Has he got a background of this? Has is is you know, that's for people in the Northern Irish FA to believe. Is this the person that we want to represent our FA, our country? It's it's about the morals and the, the opinions that you uphold. 
um, can he be trusted now? Is is that something that we that does he reflect the opinions of the players? Like he's in a really powerful position, and he needs to be aware of that situation. Um, going into the Euros, it doesn't look with the players' support um, that they've come out and you know said. I don't think it doesn't look like anything's going to change. He's had previous with um, Northern Ireland's uh, James McLean, hasn't he? Because he came out and tweeted that Kenny Shields is just the gift that keeps on giving because he does seem to put his foot in his mouth quite often. He did apologise afterwards. He said he was sorry for any offence that they caused, highlighted the fact it was a special occasion for the women's game in Northern Ireland that night, said, I'm proud to manage a group of players who are role models for so many girls and boys across the country. I'm an advocate for the women's game and passionate about developing opportunities for women and girls to flourish. You were asking, Laura, whether or not the players supported him or perhaps were there as a mouthpiece. It's it's interesting because Northern Ireland's captain, Marissa Callaghan, said, collectively, we stand by our manager. Um, She said the comments came in the context of a meeting between the head coach and the squad, which highlighted conceding goals in quick succession. She said, we feel his interview was in relation to a meeting we held as a team where we analysed we concede goals that quickly and emotions were one of the things that uh, we discussed. Since Kenny took over our national team three years ago, I've always complimented him publicly on how he can get the best out of players individually and collectively. He's a man of integrity who cares for us like we're a family. Uh, Northern Ireland's director of women's football, Angela Platts, then added that Shields' position as international manager wasn't discussed, despite the comments, and said the Irish FA support him and said she doesn't think the comments have set the team back as they prepare uh, for the Euros, which is which is interesting. Um, I just wonder whether perhaps he was clumsy in the way he said it, because the the way he said it was very much as if... In women's football, it's a problem, but in men's football, it isn't. And, you know, actually, the following night, we then saw Manchester City take on Atletico Madrid and the Atletico Madrid players completely lose the plot and all the emotions coming out, um, you know, negatively. However, it does feel as if sometimes when you talk about women and emotions, it's it there are negative connotations to it, whereas you speak to... Uh, speak about men using their emotions and it and it's translated as passion. And I think that's where his remarks for me are, are problematic. Um, let's move this on to, to now, though, and actually dissect what what he said and, and the accuracy of it, because I'd love for Catherine Batty, women's football correspondent for the Daily Mail, to go and knock on Kenny Shields' door and show him the findings that she's made. How are you doing, Catherine? <laughs> Yeah, very well, thank you, Faye. Excellent. Listen, you've done you've done a piece looking at how quickly Premier League sides concede goals. What, what did you find? Yeah, so we we compared. Um, there's been 111 games in the Women's Super League, and obviously there's more games in the Premier League. So we compared the 111 games in the WSL um, to the first 111 games in the Premier League. And and what we actually found was that men concede their third, fourth, and fifth goals more quickly than the women's teams. Um, and the only difference was the second goal um, that the women's teams conceded them slightly quicker than the men on the second one, but actually the third, fourth and fifth, which was sort of what Kenny Shields was talking about in terms of goals going in in quick succession. Actually, the women performed better, if you might say, in, in terms of actually conceding them in, in more time than um, the men who conceded them quick, more quickly. From a personal point of view, when, when you looked at this, did you think... I don't think that's right and I'm going to check it. What, what was the, the thinking behind your piece? 
Well, it was, a, it was a piece I did with with James Sharp from from the Mail on Sunday, and um, I think the the thinking behind it was just to approach it maybe differently because people people hadn't actually looked into it. Um, I think everyone kind of had the opinion that it is a problem in the men's game. As an example, a few weeks ago we saw Southampton lose six nil against Chelsea, and those goals going very quickly. So I think people knew beforehand that his, his comments probably weren't accurate. But in terms of actually breaking it down and looking at the stats. I don't think we'd seen anyone do that, so we were quite interested to see what it actually showed. And obviously, the the findings were were quite interesting as well. I mean, what we what we found was that um, women's teams conceded their third goal in in twenty minutes after their second, um, their fourth in fourteen minutes, and then the fifth seventeen minutes later. Whereas in the Premier League, it was the third in seventeen minutes, so a difference of, of three minutes. Um, the fourth in 12 minutes and the fifth in 15 minutes. So um, quite noticeable differences there. So I kind of look at that and think... It was it was far too general a comment, I think, um, and and seemingly comparing comparing women's footballers' emotions and using it as a negative that that got everybody riled up. But anyway, Catherine, brilliant research. Thank you so much for coming on Women's Football Weekly. No worries. Thank you for having me. Brilliant stuff. Catherine Batty, women's football correspondent for uh, the Daily Mail. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. Laura Bassett's with me too. Uh, next, we're going to preview the return of the Barclays FAWSL this weekend. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and former England defender Laura Bassett. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app to find us and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, right, there was one championship game on the weekend we haven't covered. It was Bristol City 1, Coventry United 1. Of course, Liverpool already promoted uh, to the WSL everybody else just fighting for placings and uh, cementing the rest of the season. Just an update on the SWPL1 as well because Rangers remain five points clear at the top of the table after a 5-0 home win over Hibernian defending champions Glasgow City keeping in touch with the leaders though after a 4-0 win at Spartans Celtic a third and they recorded a 2-0 victory away to Partick Thistle while Hearts were 1-0 winners over Aberdeen. Uh, Right let's take a look ahead to the rest of the Women's Super League action this weekend with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11 99 Search Now Sports 18 Plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Okay, so the televised game this weekend, uh, Laura, is Everton Arsenal on Sunday at 6.45. Arsenal have to win this in order to keep touch with Chelsea, obviously. Yeah, and I think I think they're clear favourites, but I do think Everton might put a bit, a bit more of a fight in terms of their new manager's been announced in Brian Sorensen, and so you would expect him, I know he's doing a job right now, but you would expect him to have been over to England to be watching games, players. So as a player's point of view, you'd be thinking... I need to, you know, show all of my car. I mean, you should have been doing that all season, but in terms of a new lease of life with a new manager, you think I need to state my claim. I need to show my attributes, my strengths and exactly what I can give this team, not knowing a lot about maybe how Brian Sorensen might like to play, but you just need to put, so I think they might 
cause Arsenal, I don't think it'll be a foregone conclusion. No, not necessarily. However, I do wonder whether there are quite a few Everton players who think that the, the club feels a little bit in disarray at the moment on the men's and the women's side. So maybe we jump ship now. We've seen that happen before. Yeah, potentially. I suppose it's however you look at it, whatever your mindset is. I think from a player's point of view, I always go back to you try and control what you can control. Some of the decisions and the club and, and the pros and cons and the political aspects, what's going on, you can't, you don't really have an influence on, although you might like to, you don't. So what you can control is your performance and give your best and whether that's at the remaining club or a different club. But also if you are looking to leave, I don't know if the if a contract might already or an agreement might have been made, but you need to still perform well because your new club might not might change your mind. You know, you've got yeah. an ABC and all that lot. So you still need to perform well. <laughs> very, very good point. Um, the action kicks off on Saturday between Brighton and Birmingham. Um, I mean, your old club, we've seen that they've probably, there's not really anything they can do now, is there? Is is this them this them done or or are they going to mount some kind of spectacular comeback? It's it's looking really really challenging, isn't it, and difficult. Um, I think just the um, yeah, this the state that they're in. The it's tough. It's tough. I I can't I can't see it happening. To be honest, I just think that Leicester have a little bit more now, and a little bit more. Although they've had a Leicester have got a tough fixture in Man City, and you know have have recently had tough fixtures and. I just think at the times that Leicester won those games, that was showed more belief. And I'm not too sure Birmingham have another Arsenal result to pull out the bag. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Tough game, as you say, for for Leicester against Manchester City. Uh, You would expect that to be a foregone conclusion, perhaps, but not necessarily. But City absolutely desperate to get that third place and they're three points behind Manchester United with a game in hand, albeit they'd need to score more than three goals and hope United don't score in their match against Aston Villa in order to overtake them. So, you know, not that easy. No, that's right. I think not only it's the business end of the season now, everyone's on countdown, not in terms of holidays and clocking off for the summer but just you know that the end is near the end of the tunnel is near so you know it's about maybe less performance more results and goals um and and trying to and then looking at what other people are doing yeah it's going to be a fascinating end and for Chelsea they play Tottenham they've got two matches left against Tottenham this season not easy opponents under Rianne Skinner who's uh, just signed a new contract extension I think to 2024 actually this week and you know they're still pushing Manchester City they have two games in hand over over Manchester City that would still only close the gap to to a point on them Um, but they're not gonna you know we know the rivalry between Tottenham and and Chelsea they're not going to want to roll over and give Chelsea the title no, exactly. And the, and the fact that they play each other on the Sunday and then again on the Thursday, it's always tough. Back, back-to-back games are always tough. But it, I feel like it's been so long since we've been, seen Tottenham play um, because of the, they had games called off with Arsenal, Chelsea with COVID. So I think it's been so exactly who are they? What Unfortunately, Rhea Percival's now out with an ACL injury. So that's a huge loss to Tottenham. So what do they look like? How are they put? I've, I've seemed to have forgot it's been so long with the international break. So, but yeah, you're right. I think it, look, it's London, London derbies are, are another level. And, um, and like I say, playing each other back to back, I think there's a, could potentially be a few hiccups. Yeah, the last game of the weekend sees West Ham uh, travel to uh, Reading, hoping to 
bounce back from that defeat to Manchester City in the FA Cup. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, you know, I think it'll be more about what West Ham can do, taking the positives and showing that, you know, showing more of their character and resilience and really trying to impose. Look, in terms of last season, they, they have already met a few performance indicators, got more points, won more games. So I think it was just, look, let's try and, for both teams really, Reading and West Ham, let's just try and finish the season on a high, maximum points as we can get and, and try and win as, as many games. Yeah, absolutely. Right, that was a look at the return of the Women's Super League with Now. Don't forget, with a Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League, including Everton against Arsenal, live on Sky Sports without a contract. All you need to do is search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18+. plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Right, that's it. Laura, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you. Have a, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? Oh, I'm, ta- I'm taking the baby and my sister's dog out for a walk and we're going to go and try and find somewhere, although on Easter Monday, because we are pre-recording this, uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, on Easter Monday, whether or not I can get a decent roast dinner everywhere that's not been booked up yet, I don't know. But I've got a day off football, which is lovely. <laughs> what about you? Uh, well, I think the Easter Bunny this year was very kind and left eggs, toys and a water gun, a water oh! pistol. So um, I think there's a fun going on already in the garden. So I'm going to join that, I think. Oh, I'm coming around to your garden. If I'm, yeah, if I'm losing, I'll just get, grab a bucket from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant stuff. Lovely to see you as always. Uh, lovely to have you with us. Thank you to Laura Bassett, Catherine Batty, Bradley Hayden, producer Flo, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.